Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. What's up, NAFAM? It is so good to be here. And if you don't know why, uh, last week I was unable to be with you. A couple weeks ago, um, I, got, I actually finished service, went to the ER to find out I had a couple blood clots in my leg. And it's been a long couple weeks. But I can tell you, uh, prayer is powerful. And I personally will say this, I believe prayers can be felt. And so I just want to, this is, has nothing to do with the sermon. This is me hijacking the service just to say this. Uh, I am very grateful for all the love, appreciation, and support. Um, I, I love my church. If I wasn't a pastor here, I would still go here. And um, yeah. And oddly enough, statistics prove most pastors wouldn't actually attend the church they pastor. And so it's a sad state, but I, just so you know, I like almost all of you a lot. <laughs> so yeah, we'll let you figure it out. This morning, I'm going to kick off a brand new conversation actually called Christmas Miracle. But to do that, I'm going to ask a friend of mine, Carlos, to come to the stage. Uh, as Carlos makes his way up to the stage, I, would I want him to share part of his story. A couple weeks ago, um, uh, we had a guest minister here. And while he was here, uh, I was approached on the front row and just said, man, there's a testimony that we need to share. And I said, you know what, let's put it on pause only because we have a guest here today. I don't want to take a time away from the testimony or from our guest. And I'm grateful that I did because this testimony and the one later uh, you're going to see fits perfect with the conversation we're going to kick kicked off. So, Carlos, you want me to ask you a question or do you just want me to say, what are you thinking? Well, I had it in my heart um, to tell you guys what had happened to me. So I always knew about God, but I'd never really felt God, or I never thought I would feel God's hand touch me. So I was running away from God for about 15 or more years. And in that time period, I ended up developing a serious drinking problem. And my alcoholism ended up ruining my relationship with a lot of people and especially my marriage. <clears throat> I also got into trouble with the law a few years back. They had made me go to AA and counseling, but none of it seemed to help my problem. So I came to church one day by myself. I don't remember exactly what the service was about. Some of it had you, to do. Uh, you mentioned, I think, was this the one that we were in the middle of the worship series? Yes. Yeah, correct. we were in the middle of the worship series. Yes. Yeah. And I was always a person that never used to worship or praise God when I would come to church. Um, that time when I came by myself, I was like, hey, God, I'm going to die here soon if I keep going the way I'm going. So if you could just please help me. I'll raise my hands to worship you. And as soon as I started raising my hand, I felt this huge weight come down on me. It was so heavy I could barely stand. 
At that moment, I just started crying uncontrollably because I knew he had taken it away. When I got home, I had told my wife what had happened. Of course, she didn't believe me, you know, because why would you believe somebody who had been doing the same thing over and over again for years? Sure. That's logical. But as the months went on, she started noticing that I was doing different things. I was coming to church a lot, and I was attending a, a WIT. That's a men's group meeting that I go to every Tuesday night here. And I'd be going to NAV group by myself. Also, as the months went on, God put it in her heart to forgive me after all the times I had left her. I didn't deserve forgiveness, but she gave it to me. That's only something God can do in a person. Like only God could touch me. Only God could take away my addiction and my pain. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. Come on. But the one thing that he told me when he touched me was like, go and lead your family closer to me. So that's what I've been trying to do, trying to follow him, learn more about him. So thank you. I just thought I'd share my story with you. Carlos, that's awesome. Awesome. Get in here. You did perfect. That was perfect. Thank you. That was perfect. I just want to make sure we remember the reason for the season, right? It's not Black Friday. It's not Cyber Monday. It's not your wish list. It's Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm going to start today's sermon. Um, normally, if you're a guest here, there's a chance someone said, hey, come. This guy's sometimes funny. This guy speaks like relative words. He'll tell you something like meaningful that you can apply to your life. I, I don't know what the sales pitch that you got, um, but uh, it was a good sales pitch. You're here. Like, way to go, yay team. But um, uh, this morning, I wrote a sermon that I wanted to hear. Um, and the reason why is uh, I don't always need the practical application, which is a value that we have here at the church. It's one of the five Ps that we believe that people can practically do in their life, practical application. Um, I don't have a big takeaway for you. I don't have a big closing and an end. I just want to tell you why what we do here is beautiful. And I'm going to start to you by telling many people believe that Christmas is a holiday that was stolen from the pagans, from the winter solstice, Sol Invictus. And it's something that the Christians kind of stole and we put it there. And listen, we can argue that, we can discuss that, maybe even agree a little bit on that. But I'd rather tell you about Genesis 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse 10, it's a story about a guy named Abram who's taken his son Isaac to make a sacrifice. But the sacrifice wasn't a lamb, it wasn't a turtle dove. The dad was taking his only son Isaac because God, this is going to sound really dark, I know, stick with me. But God had told Abram to sacrifice your only son on an altar. And here's why this was hard to believe. Abram, he and his wife had already had a child, very old in their age. 
But God had said, you're going to have a multitude of children, more than the stars in the sky, more than the sands in the seas. And you're going to have, so the one kid that had the potential of starting this lineage, God now says, put him on an altar and sacrifice him. And Abram or Abraham is the one taking Isaac up to this altar but Abraham, Abraham had a faith because he said, the lad and I will return again. So he knew God was going to do something powerful. But he went up this hill to sacrifice his son with the full intent to kill him. And then in verse 10, he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on your boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear me more than your personal fears. Now I know you fear me more than some promise of a multi-generational lineage. Now I know that you trust my word more than any other word, thought, or imagination that you have. Do, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son from me, your only son. Does it sound like another father that we know in the Bible? A father who had an only son. And Abraham looked up from there and in a thicket. He saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrifices as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Here's why I want to start with this conversation. Jesus is here on this Christmas holiday because Abraham was on a mountain willing to sacrifice his own son. And why do I say that? Because covenants are two-way streets. If the only covenant we have with God is he gives us everything and we give him nothing, that is an abusive relationship. Because I didn't stand on a, a stage one day with my wife 19 years ago and she says, I vow for better and worse and I vowed for better. She vowed in sickness and health, and I said in health. Right? If you were a part of that wedding, wouldn't you go, that was one jacked up dude. I mean, you may think that already, but like, but the moment Abraham took his son up to this mountain and put him on this altar and prepared to sacrifice full intent in his heart, we actually covenantally bound God to then sacrifice his son. Because humanity said, we are all in on this. And here's kind of the interesting thing about it. Most Jew, or talk, it when it comes to the Jewish tradition of Akedah, Jewish tradition actually has this day being on March 25th. On March 25th was the day that Abraham went up the mountain to sacrifice his son. Why is March 25th important? March 25th is important because there's another Jewish tradition, which, by the way, this is very hard to kind of pinpoint. And the reason I say that is, uh, have you ever driven down the road and saw, like, First Baptist Church, and then you drove a little further and you saw Second Baptist Church, and then you draw, drew, drove a little lo longer and you saw a Navigation Church? Same God, different churches, different, you know. It, 
The Jewish tradition has also changed over time. But I have found proof that the Jews actually believed March 21st was the first day of creation. How they came up with that, don't know. I got to be honest with you. Did a lot of reading, not sure. But March 21st was the first day that God said, let there be light. And I want to believe that. You know why? Because I love the beauty of the thought. And what is that thought? I love the beauty of the thought that on March 25th, God said, let there be light. And he brought light into the world. Then on March 25th, years later, Abraham had Isaac on top of a mountain. And he said, there's going to be life that comes into this life. And then on March 25th, thousands of years later, Mary conceived a child. Because life happens at conception. If anyone is unclear what I mean by that, the moment the seed and the egg make connection, life happens. And the Jewish tradition of believing that Mary was pregnated on March 25th, if you fast forward nine months later, we get to December 25th. Light happened. Covenant happened. And Jesus came all on the same days. I personally look at that and I just say, what a miracle. Is it true? Is it right? I don't know, but I know this. We follow a lot of traditions in our faith. And I love to think that this one's true, that God orchestrated everything at a specific time in a specific pattern for a specific way. And by the way, for us even to have this faith that we have today, I believe is a miracle. Do you know that when it comes to the Bible, it was written by 40 different authors, and these authors were everything from kings to prophets to poets, ready for this, fishermen and shepherds. Now, I know right now when I say fishermen and shepherds, you don't get the right thought. Have you ever seen the TV show Deadliest Catch? Imagine some of those jokers having a revelation. I'll just say it out loud. We ain't pulling from the highest level of the gene pool there, okay? Like, but when it came, right now there's three fishermen that are a little offended. You know, I'm taking my boat and I'm leaving. So like, but in those days, shepherds and fishermen would have been part of the lowest of all people on the economical platform. But they were some of the 40 different authors in multiple different continents over a span of 1,500 years. 1,500 years. You know why, I, I know this is going to sound very left field, but i got to just say it. You know why I have a problem believing that aliens crashed at, at, crashed at Roswell? No one can keep secrets. Like, I just, I don't believe our government, if you think our government knows what they're doing, mail something and see how fast it comes back to you. Right? No offense, and this isn't a political statement, this is a factual statement. How many are looking forward to their next birthday so they can go to the DMV? Right? We just don't. And you're telling me this government is hiding secrets from an alien. i got to be honest, we can't remember what we did less than 250 years ago when we wrote one constitution. 250 years later, when we have a ton of historical written data... 
We can't remember why we founded this nation and what the purpose of it was. And we have such infighting now, we're seeing division like we've never seen before. You're telling me 1,500 years, written, by the way, in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, most of the Old Testament in Hebrew, some in Aramaic, New Testament, Aramaic, and Greek, You have everything from poetry to historical narrative, prophecies, letters, and even apocalyptic literature. And by the way, when I say apocalyptic, I don't mean end-time apocalypse. Apocalypse comes from the Greek word apokalupto, which just means revelation. The last book of the Bible is to bring a full revelation of who Jesus is. And over a 1,500-year period where most of these guys didn't even know about each other, written in different languages in different places, by the time we pull all of these separate books together, there is one consistent through line that is the blood and, 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 velvet and uh, a scarlet thread known as Jesus Christ. That there was a prophetic word a thousand years earlier that was fulfilled a thousand years later. How we even have a Bible is a miracle today. It's an absolute miracle that we can actually look at this Bible and still have an understanding of what we're supposed to be celebrating. And not only is it a miracle that we have the Bible, it's a miracle the Bible has ever created. Think about the moment that Jesus was born. And by the way, I just want to front load this to you again. I wrote a sermon that I want to hear. And I hope you enjoy just kind of the unpacking of this. But if we don't understand the beauty of this, even this holiday that we've gotten to, who cares about the gift that actually came? But if you think about it, the moment that Jesus was born, you had an empire that ruled the world that said every child under a certain age, slaughter them all. Our story never should have started. But here's a fun story for you, and you can actually find children's books of this today. And I found this because of the Catholic faith. There's a story that Mary and Joseph left um, to go to Egypt. I don't know if you remember this part of the story. In a dream, Joseph was warned of the ensuing danger, and they left to go to Egypt, and they began traveling. And one night, they came upon a cave, and even though Jesus was fully God, he was fully baby. He was fully, when it came to cold weather, when it came to long nights, and when it came to a hungry belly, baby was a baby. And Mary and Joseph decided to get out of the elements. They got out of the elements and climbed into this cave And here's how the story goes. By the way, I'm not saying I believe this. I just find it beautiful. The story goes like this from the oral tradition of the Catholic faith is that there was a spider that saw the baby boy come into the cave. And because of of creation's eternal echo with that Savior, the spider started weaving its web in front of the cave to try to block the wind. Sometime later in that night, Roman soldiers came by to begin killing babies. And as they came upon the cave, they went to walk in. And another soldier said, no need to go into that that cave. Look at all the spider webs. Someone hasn't been in there for years. Is it a true story? I have no idea. Is it a beautiful story that even creation wanted to protect the creator? I think so. But then think about it, right after Jesus got saved and he goes up, the disciples were hiding in an upper room. They weren't interceding like we think they were. They were scared to death. 
Why? Because the Roman Empire was going to come kill them. And at this time, this global movement of a billion people that we know now had 12, 11, a, a new guy got voted in. And then that 12 ended up being about 200. And right after that, that 200, the Spirit of the Lord came, and the days and prophet came, and like tongues of fire, and all of a sudden thousands of people were saved. But immediately following that, the Roman government went to sniff out these little Christ-likes, these Christians that were following him. And a guy that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament named Paul had a legal document to go kill everybody. The early church of Jesus himself should have been killed. The early, earliest church of itself was tried to wipe off the place uh, 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 in the first through the fourth century, wiped off the planet. The great persecution of Dialectes' reign from 303 to 311 saw the most severe persecution of Christians in the history of our world. When you look at the spread of Islam from the 17th century to the 15th century, historically, they conquered territories that belonged to Christians everywhere from the Middle East to North Africa, including the fall of Israel, or excuse me, in Jerusalem of 637. The Vandal and Gothic invasions of the 15th centuries, and I'm not going to give you all the details. You can look it up for yourself. The uh, iconoclasm with this uh, removal of all religious uh, ceremonial items and the destruction of churches around the world. We could just talk about today there's parts of the world that if I went and, and held my banner high of Jesus Christ, I would be beheaded. Let's talk about the communist state of China where it's illegal to be a Christian, but yet Christianity is exploding. There's more salvations happening in China than any other place in the world right now. Our faith never should have been written. Our faith never should have been born. And our faith never should have survived. It's a miracle that 2,000 years later, we still have a Bible that we can come around and gather and remember what it is that we're here even doing. And then, by the way, the odds of Jesus even being who he was is astronomical. Here's, here's a fun fact for you. Lightning strikes happen every day around the world. I've brought up aliens. Just making sure you're with me. And right now, someone's going, so are there aliens? Okay. Not talking about it. So, if the Bible has nothing to say about it, I have nothing to say about it. So, lightning strikes happens every day around the world. Do you know that only on uh, any given day, but only one out of 250 million people will ever get struck by lightning? I mean, just statistically. So, one out of every 250 million people. Why is this important? Because if we are unconvinced that a baby born, uh, boy was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, it should be hard to comprehend because the odds aren't in his favor. So if you think about the Old Testament prophet Micah, 700 years, 700 years before Jesus was born, all the different nations, all the different uh, cities, all the different regions in the world, this guy predicted, a.k.a. prophesied, that Jesus was going to be born, uh, designated Bethlehem of Judea. Name the location. And by the way, 700 years earlier, some cities that existed don't even exist anymore. But he was able to name 700 years earlier, which, by the way, if you don't, I'm, I'm, here's a complete side note. 
If you don't believe that the Bible is accurate, I would say I would encourage you to scientifically do research on the historical proof that is out there. And if you say, well, over the years, it's been mistranslated, the only, tra only mis uh, translation changes is punctuation, but there are no major changes to any theological or major thought, in the major or minor thought. And I would just encourage you, instead of being closed-minded, scientifically go do the research for yourself. And the Dead Sea Scrolls would be a great place to start as historical and fact. I'm not even going to try it. You heard it. As proof of what it is. And by the way, around 700 BC, same time as Micah, Isaiah said that he would be born into a virgin. A prophecy made in 1012 BC says that the uh, Messiah's feet would be crucified, pierced in his hands and his feet. And by the way, it was, I'm going to say this again, 1000 BC, it wasn't 800 years later till the Romans even came up with the crucifixion method. 800 years before crucifixion was even a thing, we had a prophet saying that he was going to be crucified through his hands and his feet. Micah penned in 425 BC um, that the Messiah would be a contemporary of the temple of Jerusalem, but that temple would be destroyed in 70 AD. Historical facts have proven that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Zechariah 11, 11 through 13, said that our, this, this prophet, this Messiah, would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. I encourage you to then go to Matthew 27, 3 through 10, and see exactly how much all those years later our Savior was sold. It was 30 pieces of silver. I get all these facts from a book called, uh, of P.W. Stoner and Robert C. Newman, who wrote a book called Science Speaks. And science says this, the odds of over, when it comes to uh, 60 major prophets, prophecies, as well as up to 270 ramifications, the chance that one person could fulfill eight prophecies over this span of time, here's how they explained it. Imagine the state of Texas being covered with silver dollars, two feet deep. And in that entire state of Texas covered two feet deep, one silver dollar had a mark on it. And you told one person they had all the time they want to go anywhere they want in the state of Texas that is two feet deep of silver dollars, reach their hand in and pull up the coin. What is the odds of them getting that single coin? It's 10 to the 17th power. It is statistically impossible for one person to fulfill eight prophecies and Jesus fulfilled close to 70. It is a miracle it is a miracle that we even have this. And by the way, can we just talk about during that time period, the rate of infants that would die during childbirth, the amount of mothers that would pass away due to famine, the amount of malnutrition that would occur, the likelihood of another nation coming in. And if you were a man, you went to war. And if you were a woman and child, it was a part in raping, pillaging, and destroying their society. For Jesus even to survive his childhood to come where it is. To me, it's the beauty 
of this holiday because statistically speaking, we shouldn't know any of this. But 2,000 years later, after 1,500 years later, that 40 guys who never met each other in different languages, different continents, all wrote different books that came together to point to one guy and, and prove the prophetic word. And no matter how many nations on the backside had tried to destroy it, it still stands as the fastest growing faith in the world. It's a thing of beauty. Morgan, I'm going to stop there. I had Matthew 18 through 25 to read to you, but I was just, it's beautiful that Joseph stayed with Mary. His reputation, his heritage, his lineage. I am sorry, but if six months before I was going to marry my wife, she came to me and said, Hey, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant. I don't know how the conversation would have went, but 19 years later, she wouldn't be sitting here. I, I just, and you can go, well, an angel came to him. That's the mercy and grace of God, but you still had to have a willing servant to take on a virgin birth. I just, and let's, okay, if someone wants to argue our faith, it's a weird one. It's a weird, a virgin birth, it's a weird one. But if you understand that it had to come from a different seed line, I honor Mary because of the vessel. But she's like every other woman, she's dirt in which a seed gets planted for it to grow. And so the beauty of what it is is true. But the beauty of who we are is what I want to tell you about. I got another friend named Joe coming up. If you want to make your way up, you can walk all the way around, or if you can do the monster step, feel free. Look at that young kid. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, he's the one that pulled on me and said, I just have something I want to share. And I want to sh I have him share this today because... You have historical facts, you have scientific facts, you have that archaeological fact that you guys all helped me out with earlier. <laughs> but here's the fact I want to tell you about. 2023, we have the power of Christ with us still. Anything on your heart, pal? Sure. Morning, everyone. So some of you know a little bit about my background, some of you don't, but... I grew up as a Catholic, and growing up, I didn't know you could have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know you could have a personal relationship with him, and I've learned all that recently. And my wife actually once described that as me having a veil over me that wasn't really letting me see God for who truly God was. Wow. You know, she did try to bring me to church a couple times, but I wasn't about it. I wasn't really interested. And she tried to push through it, but it just wasn't my time. And it just wasn't her giant to slay. It was all down to me. But at my time, at that time, it just wasn't in my heart. And I think That's God... Honesty, man. Yeah, it wasn't in my heart. I think I wasn't ready for it. And I think God knew it wasn't the time for me to be here. 
So it just didn't happen. But my giant was not be able to come to church. I could come, but my heart just wasn't there. My giant was not believing, not having the faith, not knowing Jesus, not being able to be close to the people that were close to him, that could bring me closer to God, would teach me about him, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I keep looking at my notes. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. You're doing great. <laughs> but then I got a call from someone one day, and they invited me to come to a meeting here at the church. But that time I also failed to see something. See, I thought it was about him that time. I thought he needed, he was going through some problems, some stuff that he was dealing with. And I'm thinking to myself, he probably needs a familiar face. Maybe he needs somebody there to support him. Maybe he just needs somebody to lean on while he's talking about his problems. So I came and I sat there. And I can tell you one thing during two hours or two and a half hours, three hours, however long we were there for, I never felt closer to God. I never felt mm -hmm. closer to the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ than I ever been before up until that point. I can tell you that in those two or three hours that I was there, I've learned more about being a Christian and the Christian beliefs than I was ever taught my whole life. And that's something we don't hear in a Catholic church, at least me growing up where I was. But the thing is, when, when Jesus calls your name, he calls your name at the right time. And that was the right time for me to come, come to on. church, you know. Come on. That was the right time for me to take that step and starting to accept him and started to learn about him. And started to be around people that could teach me about my Jesus and my Savior, you know. If he can only call you so much, but it's up to you to take that step. You know, it's up to you to grab on, take that fight and take down your giant with your own heart. When you truly accept him into your heart, you know, nobody else can do that for you. So your next step after you came to it was actually I came the to baptism, it, correct? And my next step was the baptism. And yeah, <laughs> and that, that wasn't long after I came, I decided to get baptized and not long after that, I also received the Holy Spirit, you know, and come on. that's when the veil really started to burn. That's when I started to feel Jesus in me, when I accepted him as my Savior, as my Lord, as, as my King, you know. And it, it's just an overwhelming feeling when you start to learn about him and you start to accept him into your heart because then all the blessings start to come along, you know. Just recently, I got a job. I've been working this job for two months, and I just recently got promoted to manager. Mm -hmm. You know, within two months of being in the same job. And that's a godly thing, you know. When you let God walk in your shoes, and when you walk with him in your shoes, and let him do what he needs to do in your life, and you step out of his way, and just walk the steps he wants you to walk, the blessings just start coming along. You know, the blessings just start coming along, you know. And... It, if you guys think being promoted at a job that's cool, you know, this one's free for you. I haven't told you about this you're, one yet. You know, two weeks Let me ago, know when you're done. Two weeks ago, I was hunting, and I was on my tree stand. My tree stand is 18 feet tall, and the ladder broke on it, and I'm falling to the ground. And as I'm falling, I have all these thoughts going through my head. I'm going to break my feet. I'm going to break my legs. I'm going to break my ribs. I'm going to break my neck. I'm going to break my back. And all of a sudden, a voice just comes to my head and says, relax. Just a nice, soothing voice, and I relax. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground, and the only thing I have is a scrape on my knee, nothing oh, else. Wow. If you want depth, I was told that from the ground to the ceiling, it's about 20 feet. I was 18. Yeah. Just for you guys to That's have an idea. Death you know, right it's, 
You know, if God didn't stretch out his hand there, right there and then, and said, relax, I got you. I don't know what that was, but to me, he was God. God stretched out his hand to me, and he held me. He protected me. God looks after its own. So when you follow him, and like I was saying, when you walk with him, he walks with you. He watches over you. He protects you. So I have one question for you. Yes, sir. So you mentioned someone gave you a call. Yes, someone gave me a call. You never mentioned who? Someone that was at his lowest point in life, but still working for his problems. That person still took God into his heart and listened to what God was saying to him. And he called me and he brought me closer to God. That person gave his testimony here today. That person was Carlos. It, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter at what point you are in life, whether you're low or high, God will still use you when you are at your lowest and will bring you somebody that will come along, that will pick you up and bring you up to the top of him so you can both be closer to God and walking with God. And there's nothing better than that. So just remember, no matter at what point you are in life, God will pick you up or he'll work for somebody to pick you up and bring you closer to him to where you need to be. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. Beautiful. Weeks after Carlos found Jesus, he was telling other people about Jesus. How long has it been since you gave that present away? And that's the end. How long has it been since you gave that present away? It's valuable. It's unbelievable. It's improbable. How long has it been since you gave that present away? God bless. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the Nav app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now, know Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.